Welcome to Marvel Studios News. My name is Sean Gerber. I will soon be joined by my co-host, Paul Herman. This is episode 69 of our show. We are still on the road to Infinity War, but this week we finish up phase two as we discuss Ant-Man. But before we get into all of that fun, I have some people to thank. I would like to thank the latest patrons on our Patreon page, which is at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. So thank you very much to Jonathan and Sabina Graves of Grinning Gravestone Entertainment, Philip Castro, Brian Fontaine, Connor Kelly, and Robert Clouser. So when you join our Patreon page, as these folks did, you have access to exclusive content that's not available anywhere else. So you still get this show for free, as you all do wherever you find your podcast. But if you sign up to be one of our contributors on Patreon, depending on the tier that you choose, there's all kinds of different levels, but they all include exclusive content, including for just a dollar a month, you get our Patreon credit scenes. That's where we take episodes like this one where we've discussed Ant-Man and we connect the dots. We look at the connective threads between the film we've just discussed and Avengers Infinity War slash Avengers 4. But we also break down some of the latest news topics that didn't necessarily make it into the main show. So there's all of that. Plus, there's different tiers that uh, qualify you for on-air thank yous, like you saw, like you heard moments ago. Uh, but also, our weekly Q&A show that just launched. So that's where every week I take questions from our patrons and I answer them, and the first Q&A episode that is Patreon-exclusive actually just went up yesterday, or at least the day before this podcast, or this episode is being released. So you can check that out over there. And again, that's Patreon credit scenes, plus an exclusive weekly Q&A, and that's just for $3 a month. And you can look at all the other different tiers for all the other exclusive episodes and movie Q&As and all the other kinds of things that you can check out at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. The last thing I'll say on that is what I think is the coolest feature, which is when you are one of our patrons, you get an exclusive RSS feed that you can put into a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts. Subscribe directly through the RSS because we put the regular episodes in there as well so that that way you can get every single piece of content that you're entitled to from Marvel Studios News all in one place, so you don't have to track down the regular podcast on one feed and then go get, go get all of the Patreon content somewhere else. You can actually get it all in one spot. So that's it for the Patreon stuff, but I also got to let you know about our website, which is marvelstudiosnews.com. That's where I post articles every single day. And please go over to our Facebook page and give us a like. That's at facebook.com slash News, And you can also follow us on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. Anytime you follow us on social media, when you like stuff that we post on social media, comment, share, whether that's on the website, on Facebook, or Twitter, all of that stuff really helps us out, and we appreciate that support. That's what helps keep the show going and keep the show growing. So with that in mind, let's start shrinking by talking about Ant-Man. Paul, you ready to close out Phase Two? It's so weird. See, it's the last movie of Phase Two. Yeah, it's well, so weird. Yeah. Well, I remember, uh, you know, Kevin Feige was at the we were at that El Capitan presentation in October 2014 when he announced Phase Three, but he mentioned Ant Man would kind of be the end, would still be the end of Phase Two, and and I guess it was just it felt out of sync because Avengers. Uh, had was the closing film of phase uh, of phase one 
And so I just, you know, we just kind of had the assumption of, okay, well, the Avengers will always be the finale of a phase. In fact, it will be in phase three as well. Avengers four is going to uh, be the end of phase three of the MCU, but Ant-Man gets to be the only phase ending film (laughs) that is not part of, that is not uh, an Avengers movie. Um, But as we talk about the buildup for Ant-Man, I think this one sets the record for the longest buildup because (laughs) we were sort of tracking this movie from like 2006 to 2015. I mean, because it was Ant-Man was right there with Edgar Wright at the beginning of the MCU as they were talking, or I mean, it wasn't the MCU, but MCU yet, but just talking about Marvel Studios and Jon Favreau going to, you know, looking at doing... Iron Man and, and Edgar Wright doing Ant-Man. And, and so, like, that was just what it was. And then for whatever, you know, for various reasons, it didn't work out that we didn't see an Ant-Man film in Phase 1. But then I remember they showed, uh, they finally showed, like, that test footage at Comic-Con, and it was amazing. And and then a lot of it, uh, I think, ended up leaking online, and but it still looked really, really cool. And everybody was really excited about this idea of Edgar Wright's Ant-Man movie. And, of course, people had loved Edgar Wright, myself included, whether it's Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz or The World's End or Scott Pilgrim or now, like, subsequently, Baby Driver. But, like, you know, people had loved Edgar Wright so much and everybody was really into this idea of an an Edgar Wright-directed Ant-Man film. So I think the best place to really start with the buildup on this, actually, no, that's skipping ahead. Uh, we can't get to Edgar Wright leaving yet. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I well, let's well, let's focus on this early phase. So, do you have any memories of what you were thinking about, and just in terms of a an Edgar Wright Ant Man movie? I remember, I remember, I was stoked for it. Yeah, I remember being really excited about it. Um, I remember this was one of the original films they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Iron Man and Ant Man. So, and I remember Edgar Wright had been attached since like two thousand and eight. Like it was. For yeah, like a while, six, I think, or yeah, yeah, even earlier. Yeah, probably earlier than that. So I remember that always being like a thing and he kept doing different projects and whatnot. And then, um, you know, I, I, I like, I liked Shaun of the dead. I liked hot fuzz. I didn't love them. I love Scott Pilgrim. I love, love, love Scott Pilgrim. Um, I think that movie is just fantastic and it's a great adaptation for a comic. So I was, you know, I was really excited for, ant-man and so it was interesting um to to find out what was going on because they cast paul rudd before the edgar left right correct yeah so i was excited to cast paul rudd like michael douglas i mean we we heard it was going to be a heist movie that's that's much different than um what we got with uh uh, what we got with other marvel films it just it felt like it was going to be a really different like film compared to all the other uh marvel films we've gotten so i was really excited for it um like again i was a big scott pilgrim uh movie fan and i liked paul rudd a lot i think paul rudd is hilarious and he's a solid actor and so i was i was ready for some ant-man yeah the when it got to casting i remember i I brought up how like joseph gordon levitt was rumored for this uh when i talked about that with guardians of the galaxy because he was rumored for Star Lord, and then possibly was going to be somebody up for, for Ant Man. But and I remember the the Paul Rudd and and Joseph Gordon Levitt rumors kind of started around the same time, and uh, I preferred Paul Rudd of the two just because I've I've always really liked Paul Rudd. Now I didn't love 
Paul Rudd for Hank Pym, but I thought it would be a really good Scott Lang. And I don't, when those rumors first started, I don't think we knew for sure that it was going to be Scott Lang or Hank Pym. But then I think when they formally announced it, it was clear that he was going to be Scott Lang. But I was all about the Paul Rudd casting. Like most people of, of my generation and even people younger and older loved Paul Rudd since Clueless. <laughs> like, And then just everything <laughs> since. Like he's just... I think he's underrated as a dramatic actor, but he's just—he's also just really one of the funniest actors working. Like, he's definitely one of the fun. I mean, in my lifetime, one of the funniest on screen. Like, I, he just cracks me up in so many different roles. So I was all about that. I was happy about Evangeline Lilly, and then the casting of Michael Doug. Uh, you know, Evangeline Lilly. I loved her on Lost. So having her come in as as Hope Van Dyne with the idea of you know her eventually becoming the Wasp, I was really excited about that. But then the Michael Douglas casting, it, it kind of goes back to Robert Redford in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, where I'm just like, like Michael Douglas, what the hell are you even doing here? <laughs> like, how is this how is this happening that Michael Douglas is playing Hank Pym in a Marvel movie? Like, it just, some of those things will just never click for me in that. I mean, and I mean that in a good way. Like, it's just, I'm just so tickled to death that, like, these Hollywood legends are like looking at Marvel movies and being like, yeah, I'll, I'll sign up for that. You know, let, let me go ahead and play, uh, let me go ahead and play a part in these Marvel films. So yeah, that is just, um, that's always just going to be amazing to me. Um, but let's talk about the split because that's where, you know, I, I think that's the, the pivotal moment in the build up to Ant-Man. I think it was what Memorial day weekend, I remember it was a Friday on, I'm pretty sure it was a Friday on a holiday weekend. I think it was Memorial day weekend when we found out that, uh, that Edgar Wright was not going to be directing Ant-Man. And I just remember being crushed by that news because we had been looking forward to Edgar Wright's Ant-Man for so long. And I just remember being like, there was just something that just didn't make sense. It was like, how, could these, you know, how could everybody have been like supposedly on the same page for years and just like it was just the timing that wasn't working? And now all of a sudden, you know, now that we finally start working on the film, and I guess that's the reason why is that's where you found out, you know, you find out the differences that you have. But it was, I just, I just, I just couldn't wrap my head around this idea that he was attached to it for so long and now he wasn't even going to direct it. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of a strange thing. I, I just remember thinking, why couldn't. They, why couldn't they figure this out before? Because he's been on this movie, movie for so long, you know. And, I, and you got to wonder if if Kevin Feige wants more people. Uh, not, I don't want to say yes, man, because I don't think James Gunn's a yes man or or any, any, anything like that. But with like with this is you know maybe after Josh Whedon or no, this came out before Age of Ultron, so or it was kind of filming. Yeah, some, I mean, you know, this news happened came out in 2014 because Ant Man was shot in late 2014 and came out in mm-hmm. 2015. So yeah, this was May of 2014 when this, uh, this story broke. Yeah. So I, you know, it's just one of those things where it's, it's very, very interesting. And, um, you know, I, I kind of liken it to just, you know, everyone says, I remember people criticizing Marvel a lot at the time saying, mm-hmm. Oh man, why Marvel can't give their directors credit. Blah, 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 blah. And I just kind of thought to myself, 
guys, like, chill out. Just chill out. And because we don't know. We don't know if Edgar Wright had, like, a really zany vision that just didn't met, mesh up the way they wanted it to. And I don't really fault anyone for, for that. I mean, it just, like, it. you know, James Gunn did a great job of ex- kind of explaining a little bit in um on facebook when it when it happened and he said you know when you have two people two things you really you know like care about and appreciate for instance like you know he's you know his admiration for edgar wright and his admiration for kevin feige and marvel just the fact that that didn't work out it just was a, a bummer for him and you know he said it was he says it as you know he put it as just two people that just couldn't you know get along and or couldn't just met, work together the right way and there's a, no there was no fault on any side it just didn't, wasn't a, it just wasn't a good mix and i think that's ultimately what happens i mean edgar is probably used to having a lot of freedom and with marvel you need to kind of play ball a little bit you can't just be Whatever you have to kind of go with the go with the flow, if you will. So there's a lot of things that you know that kind of go in with this, and I I kind of look to it as it's just you know didn't work out for him from a creative standpoint, and no hard feelings, and you just move on. Yeah, it's weird because it, it at the time, um, at this point, it was a little different because you know I was trusting Marvel, and and it just there was something about it that just didn't. That never added up. I mean, even though there was all that criticism of Marvel should just leave directors alone and, and this and that, there's also that part of me that was like, well, I've kind of liked the MCU so far, so I'm kind. I wanted to trust Marvel at the same time and and maybe just believe, you know what? It just for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. And you know, and sometimes that sometimes that happens, and it doesn't mean that some. It doesn't mean that anybody on either side is is being a jerk. But an important thing to just keep in mind for. Uh, you know the the overall perspective of of this situation though is that this is still a different marvel than the one that we've been dealing with for the past few years because this is 2014 this is before the split in 2015 where Feige and Marvel Studios just kind of went away from the rest of Marvel and just went directly under Walt Disney Studios and Alan Horn this is, was a time when they were still rolling up to Ike Perlmutter and everybody else at Marvel Entertainment and also having the entire Marvel Creative Committee. So I wonder if maybe some of that is what kind of caused things with uh, Ant-Man to get logjammed. It was that it wasn't even just notes from Feige that, were in, that caused this issue, that maybe it was notes from the Creative Committee and Feige not having the ability to overrule those to just have it all work out. I've always wondered if maybe this was one of the key breaking points for Kevin Feige in terms of his decision to be like, look, I can't work like this anymore. I've got to, you know, I've proven myself at this point. Like, I've got to take the reins fully of of Marvel Studios. I always wonder if this was a factor in it. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe the disagreements were between the actual, you know, Feige and the other uh, folks at, at Marvel Studios and not about Marvel. And it had nothing to do with Marvel Entertainment and the Marvel Creative Committee. I, I don't know where the disagreements were. And, you know, I guess it's it's a good and a bad thing, but we'll, we'll just never, we're probably never going to get the whole, like, honest truth about what happened there. Um, but moving forward to, you know, but at the same time, it's like, well, I still want this movie. I still want an Ant-Man movie, and I still want Paul Rudd doing it because I think he's awesome, and I still want to see Michael Douglas as, as Hank Pym. And then the director search went in, and I remember one of the first big names out at the gate was Adam McKay, just because he had worked with Paul Rudd, obviously, so much. And... And I remember being like, okay, like Adam, if we lose Edgar Wright, but we get Adam McKay, that would be, that would be fine. 
I, you know, I'd be I'd be just fine with that. But then the name Peyton Reed came out, and I had liked Peyton Reed's movies. Like I had liked Bring It On and Down with Love, so I liked his movies. But it was another case of I I'm not seeing the superhero connection there. Like of everybody that you know now, even though James Gunn had you know most of the directors Marvel had hired, they hadn't really made comic book uh they hadn't made comic book movies before they started doing a film for marvel um there was at least you know for a lot of them there was something that i could maybe connect to or or liken it to what they might do with marvel but i really had no idea what peyton reed had done that was going to uh translate to ant-man but at the time i also didn't know that peyton reed was a huge huge comic book geek and i had also forgotten that he was a guy who was he was up for Fantastic Four before Fox went with Tim Story. He was also up for Guardians of the Galaxy before Marvel Studios went with James Gunn. So this was a guy who had been around, you know, had been interested in pitching for comic book movies for a long time, and then he finally, you know, got one with Ant-Man. Maybe it wasn't under the best circumstances, but nevertheless, it was his uh it was his gig, and I just remember th- I remember being, you know, once again, we were at this thing of, oh, it's finally going to fall apart for Marvel. You know, like Guardians of the people got through with Guardians Mm -hmm. of the Galaxy. It was a big gamble. And now everybody was just, you know, like this was going to be the one where people were finally going to say that's enough Marvel uh, because people were mad that Edgar Wright was uh, Mm -hmm. was gone. And, and, you know, you know, Peyton Reed was was fine. But people I know a lot of people didn't necessarily feel like that was the most inspired choice. I don't think anything could have felt like an inspired choice. Um, after Peyton, uh, after Edgar Wright was was like you know after it fell apart with Edgar Wright, so there was all of that to uh, there was all of that to think about. But then yeah, I just remember uh, I remember them like Peyton Reed. I remember feeling bad for him because like even though Adam McKay and Paul Rudd did rewrites, it was like this guy gets hired in June and they're shooting in August. I just didn't. I, it was I remember a quick feeling. Turnaround. I remember feeling like oh man, like I felt like this is such an unenviable position for Peyton Reed to come into. Yeah, it was a quick turnaround. And I remember I was one of the people of doubters just kind of being like, eh, you know, you go from Edgar Wright to, a, you know, a, a guy who wasn't he doesn't have a, a distinct style like like an Edgar Wright or a James Gunn, if you will. Um, and, you know, I liked bring it on a lot when it came out. I thought it was great. Um, so it's just kind of like, OK, you know, it had a lot going against it. And the fact that, you know, again, Adam McKay couldn't make it work in a schedule, but him and Paul Rudd sat together and, and did rewrites was interesting. But the fact that it was like this movie pretty much was in the can and it felt like a short amount of time was just really weird. And so it's just it was just a weird, like weird kind of feeling. And I didn't have a lot of faith in the fact that like there's a short turnaround time. What does that mean? Et cetera, et cetera. You know, how what's going to happen. And it just, it just was really uh, kind of like, I, I just was not excited for Ant-Man. So, and I, if you listen to the old shows, you'll hear me just kind of be like, yeah, I'm not excited for this at all. Like I'd have no, I have no real connection to this movie that I just think it's going to be great. And I really, and I even said, it's going to be Marvel's first disappointment. And, um, you know, and I, and I'm not sure if it was one of those things where it, like I was, you know, prepare, I've set my expectations super low. Um, cause as, as the trailers went on, I didn't, you know, I thought it looked fine. I'm like, okay, it looks, it looks entertaining. It looks a little better, but I just, I just didn't really think it was going to be much to it, especially after age of Ultron. Right. I mean, I mean, it's like, where do you go? And so that's where I was, you know, kind of setting myself up at that point. Like, 
you know, they have, there's a short turnaround for this movie and what is, you know, I, and I've learned over the years now that I can't doubt movies depending on how much time was spent on it, the reshoots and all of that. And this movie is a testament to that. Yeah. I think a lot of people were just ready to think that this was going to be the time that, you know, the luck would finally run out with Marvel studios. Then you realize it's not luck. There's just a lot of smart people getting stuff done. Um, I remember it being a very, very quiet production for Ant-Man. You didn't really hear a lot about it. They they had released some photos when they first started filming. There was that photo of Scott Lang uh, with, like, the Golden Gate Bridge behind him just to kind of show, hey, we've started production. And, and I think that was just to kind of get people to realize, hey, this movie's real. Like, we're, we're actually making this despite all the, uh, despite all the drama. And then, um, but then we, we didn't really get to see or hear much about it until we got to, um, until we got to that first teaser that came out in January of 2015. And I remember really liking that teaser. I was actually driving when I saw that they had, you know, dropped it. So like I pulled over like into a Carl's Jr. parking lot, and like <laughs> sat and watched that trailer on my phone because I really wanted to know what it looked like because like, well, you know, like we, this was supposed to be an Edgar Wright movie. Peyton Reed came in and, and is doing it now. And, and, you know, I'm, I, I obviously have a high level of curiosity anytime uh, Marvel makes it for any Marvel movie or any superhero movie, rather. And, and so then when it came to the, and then this, there was just all these other circumstances surrounding it. Like I had to have a look at it. And I remember really liking the teaser. I wasn't blown away by it, but that teaser did, wasn't, didn't really, it clearly wasn't designed to blow anybody away. Um, I just remember feeling like, okay, this is, uh, you know, this, this just seems cool. Like I, I like it. It seems like, you know, Paul Rudd seems great as Scott Lang. I'm digging Michael Douglas as, uh, as Hank Pym. So I, I enjoyed the teaser. It wasn't, uh, again, it wasn't one of the greatest Marvel trailers of all time, but I, I just, I enjoyed it. And I remember feeling just a little sense of relief of like, okay, it actually looks like maybe they've put something together here that's going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the trailers didn't make me dislike the movie or sorry my dog my dog was like throwing up. Oh, you okay, Bean? No, oh, she's all right. Sorry, yeah, sorry to get that out. Sorry, but that. Nah, it's staying in. Be, oh, it's staying in. Oh, staying in the podcast. We're we're Bean. You're you're awesome. <laughs> anyway, um, she's drinking water now. She's all right. Um. Anyway, no, it, the trailers were fine. The trailers were um one of those things where again, I I just I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It just was like okay. That's fine. I did laugh out loud a couple of times, like the Thomas the Tank Engine. That wasn't uh, in the teaser. That was in the oh, second trailer. trailer. Okay, yeah. the trailer. I, I just, yeah, I just remember being like, just kind of indifferent about a lot of stuff. But like, I thought it looked okay. Again, I was expecting Marvel's first full-on dud, cr- critically and commercially. So it, the trailers didn't make me go, oh yeah, I've changed my mind. Like I, it was, I was, yeah. Well, well, the thing that really turned me around was actually that trailer because um, I actually got to see it a little bit early because when I w- we were at the press junket for uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, we had we saw the movie and then I think it was the next day or the day after uh, day after that we got we went to we did the press conference and they actually did the press conference in the same theater where we saw the movie um, because this was also uh, another to peel back the curtain a little bit, like in terms of like the press junket experience for Marvel movies. Now at this time I was still pretty much a rookie. Like guardians was my first junket age of Ultron was my second, but, um, 
you know, Ike Perlmutter is known for being notoriously cheap. And the Marvel junkets were all just, you know, at least the first couple that I went to, they were just on the Disney lot. Now they're like in big fancy hotels and stuff like that, where which you normally get for big blockbuster movies, even movies that aren't really that big of uh, blockbusters. But anyway, you know, we were in that theater for the Age of Ultron press conference. And then at the end of the press conference, when all the Avengers actors were leaving, it was Kevin Feige who actually said, um, oh, yeah, and stick around. We have something really uh, special to show you. And so then they showed us the they showed us the trailer. I think it ended up being the exact same trailer. It might have been a little different, but it, I think it was pretty much the same trailer that got released uh, shortly after um, of this Ant-Man trailer. And I remember loving it so much, and I was dying laughing at the Thomas the Tank Engine bit. And I mean, in all the press there, I mean, everybody was just cracking up at it. And so everybody went from, uh, is, is Ant-Man going to, you know, is is this whole situation going to work out to all of a sudden, you know, a lot of the press there, you know, you know, many of them were people who I think were, certainly not me, but I think many of the people there were ready to hate it. Um, but that trailer just, I, I think that trailer turned a lot of people around. Um, I didn't really need to be turned around, um, but it certainly gave me just uh, an, yet another confidence boost uh, going into uh, going into the movie. Yeah, it was. I don't think the trailers hurt or helped me, or they, they they helped a little bit, but it was it was just something that I was, I just didn't know what to expect, and I wasn't expecting much. And you know, it was, I was just kind of waiting and seeing at that point, just you know, just to kind of go and and kind of figure out what I was gonna, you know, it, this is gonna be the Marvel's first, you know, critical and, and financial success or failure, I should excuse me. So yeah, I was I was I was anticipating to to watch it. My expectations were extremely low. The trailers, I, again, I don't. I remember one. I remember liking the this last trailer the most, and I remember telling, showing Morgan, going, "Hey, I, I think this actually might be okay." And I showed her the trailer, and she goes, "And eh, it looks all right." <laughs> and I, I love the Thomas the Tank Engine. Honestly, that whole trailer probably is what helped sell the movie to me. Uh, when I, when I, you know, at least to kind of go, maybe it's going to be a little bit more fun than I realized, and a little bit better than I realized. Yeah. No, and, and the trailers were, the trailers were big for me, especially that second one. I I really enjoyed it. Now getting into first viewings, it was um, another. It was same experience or similar experience as Guardians and Age of Ultron. It was the press junket, so I was watching the movie for the first time at uh, on the main theater at the Disney lot, and um, I think I saw it like it's not like late June. So, because the movie came out like July seventeenth or something like that, um, and I remember because going into it, I was also thinking, man, what are they going to do after Age of Ultron and and closing out Phase Two? Like, is this going to be the movie? How is this supposed to close out Phase Two? And when I saw the movie, I just thought this is actually the perfect answer to Age of Ultron, a movie that maybe blew up and got too big for its own good or actually I shouldn't say that because Infinity War is much bigger than Age of Ultron and I think it's going to be better (laughs) but you know like after Ultron just you know as I said in our our Road to Infinity War for uh, episode for that movie I liked the movie and I still like the movie um, but I didn't love it as much as I thought I was going to love it and wanted to love it and and also like after a movie that big that was also trying to stretch things out to infinity war and connect all these things. Like I was just really happy and, and, and really, really noticed just how nice it was to watch a movie that in many ways, like 
Ant-Man is totally a Marvel movie, and yet, in a really cool way, it's not a Marvel movie. In that, it just, you know, it didn't really, it didn't focus really on connecting other things. Like, yeah, there's, you know, a name drop for, you know, Howard Stark shows up, and, and Peggy Carter's in there, and and I loved that. I mean, I was blown away by young Hank Pym. Like, the visual effects on that, I was like, holy shit. Um, but, uh, and I love the way they structured that, of showing that Hank Pym had been Ant-Man, because I, I, I love the way the movie gave the MCU another an additional layer of history uh in the in a way that it really only had through through cap and in his franchise so i was happy about that but but overall the the experience that i was loving so much is like everything was just so funny in the movie paul rudd which i expected but michael pena's luis and the rest of the entourage you know ti and david dasmaushan like they were all just so so entertaining and so funny in the movie i mean luis's like stories of how he gets his tips like that stuff is uh, that stuff's MCU like comedy gold. Like I, I love that stuff so much. It's that stuff was you know blew me away. I was just like busting a gut laughing. <laughs> um, but just the overall sense of it though was like I just love that this is a tight focused, no pun intended, small story. Mm-hmm. That's just yeah. about it's it just really grinded down to this you know this handful of characters, but and most of that is focused on our our main character in Scott Lang and. And I just, I really appreciated that. I, I think Ant-Man was the perfect movie to follow uh, Age of Ultron in that respect. Yeah, this movie is, took me 100% by surprise. And I don't remember, you know, or I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say that like maybe that the Age of Ultron's, you know, kind of ups and up and down kind of story uh, helped that. And my low expectations really like, altered all of that but i have to say that this movie totally like i fell in love with this movie the first time i saw it and i remember n- knowing that there was I, I probably would like a lot about it or like a decent amount about it but it was one of those things where i just i really did fall in love with again no pun intended the smaller kind of uh you know not as connect it's not as connected to the mcu as the other films and the fact that it's a very isolated story, like if you you this movie could be not in the MCU and it would stand on its own, and I think that's kind of the the true telling for me is that but all the Easter eggs like the Hank Pym and the Wasp and you know when he when the when the Yellow Jacket guy says tales do astonish and I was like ah ha, ha, ha. very cute and you know things like that it was it was all perfect and there were so many laugh out loud things but again i felt the humor was i don't know it just felt it felt it was very different than the mcu and then other mcu films yes i think it was more comedic than most films but i felt it was more of a pure comedy than than the most other mcu films so it was just one of those things where I just was I loved all the, the, the you know him going down to size and just I just fell in love with it. I remember I couldn't I walked out of the theater and I don't remember where, how I saw it or where I saw it, but I remember being like, man, like I, I remember walking out saying, I really like that movie. Mm-hmm. I was surprised how much I liked that movie and how much everything worked. And I I love 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 just Paul Rudd as Scott Lang. And, you know, it just, it really worked for me on, on a level. And, and I'll be honest, like I wasn't going in expecting to like this more than age of Ultron, but I did. 
Like, I like this movie way more than Age of Ultron. In fact, I've rewatched Ant-Man numerous times, more Mm -hmm. than a lot of the other MCU films. And it surprises me because it is not a, it's it's a very much a an Iron Man one origin story that doesn't tie into anything. And I was blown away of how entertaining it was and how crazy it was. I got an Ant Man movie. Now, people you know who I know are unfamiliar with the comic books, Ant Man has never been able to sustain his own comic book. If he has, he's had different characters. It hasn't been Scott Lang. Scott Lang has joined the Avengers. He's joined the Fantastic Four, for God's sakes. He's joined a side Fantastic Four series called the FF, Future Foundation. Um, You know, it wasn't until after the movie came out that, you know, Nick Spencer had been tapped to write, um, you know, an Ant-Man monthly series to kind of go along with the movie. And by the way, it's it's a pretty solid title, actually. I like Nick Spencer's Ant-Man a lot. Um, But that being said, it's not it's Ant-Man's is not a a character that is has this like rich, like ongoing history. You know, he doesn't he doesn't at all. And the fact that, you know, Peyton Reed Kevin Feige and the writers and Paul Rudd and everyone managed to come together and make a very entertaining movie about it, you know, and it didn't like break the bank like black Panther did, but it did well enough to show me like a man, like this movie is so entertaining, so much fun to watch that no, every movie has to be this giant, like infinity war age Ultron. Everyone gets together, you know, you know, whatever things can be, you know, a kind of a isolated story, have some Easter eggs and have them exist in the same world. And I had no problems with it. And it, like I said, it was, it was surreal seeing an Ant-Man movie be successful and it was surreal to see it on screen too. But I love the special effects. I thought the, the suit was super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I just thought every, I thought the yellow jacket being the bad guy was a cool idea because you know in the comic books Hank Pym is like kind of a split personality, right? And he and he you know we talked about this on the, on the shows, but you know the yellow jacket in this in this movie is like he's kind of like the instead of you know the he's like he has hope his daughter be the wasp and then his son is you know this guy who he mentors turns into you know, the bad part of, of Hank Pym, the selfish part. And he kind of represents that yellow jacket, you know, uneasy, angry side. And it was really cool to see, like, how these two characters kind of go at it and these two ideals. So there was so much about this movie that I wasn't expecting to fall in love with. And I got to say, Scott, uh, Scott Lang, Scott Lang, a.k.a. Paul Rudd, just sucked me right in. Yeah. And I think what I always appreciate what can, what I continue to appreciate about, appreciate about this movie as I rewatch it. And I'm with you. It's one of my, I think it's one of the most rewatchable MCU movies, um, easily. And I think it is because it's just this very tight, well-told story. I think the execution of this movie is so, it's so great because, you know, the comedy is, is amazing. I mean, the Baskin Robbins bit and like Greg Turkington is the manager in the back, like pull up some chair, (laughs) Like, and making Baskin Robbins always finds out like a thing in the <laughs> Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like that's, you know, there's so many good comedy bits in this, but also just the story is so it's told so efficiently, and I and I really appreciate kind of the the way it really clung to the idea of of a heist movie because you have to have there are things you have to have in in a heist movie. You know, for example, like the fact that they have the I love the scene of Scott Lang having to figure out how to crack uh, Hank Pym's safe in the basement, because you kind of have to have you can't just say, 
oh, Scott Lang was in jail and he's a master thief. It's like you actually have to test him. He There has to be kind of this demonstration where he proves to the audience that he has the skills that everybody thinks he does. And, and this will make it you know, show that he actually, and what's great about that scene is that even though they have a plan, all that goes to crap because the safe ends up being something, you know, that he wasn't prepared to deal with, but he's able to improvise and get the safe open. And that does a lot for Scott Lang's credibility because he's, this is going to be his first adventure at Ant-Man. So how's he going to be so good at this when he hasn't been doing a lot of training, even though they show a lot of training in the movie, it's not it, it wouldn't seem like nearly enough for him to be as effective in the role but you see that this is a guy who's just all who's so great at he he's really great at improvising and and i'm and i thought they found a really great way of even though you could say well falcon's in this movie and he goes to the avengers compound so it's not uh it's not entirely standalone but it still is because the way even the way they execute that it's very very simple it's oh the avengers aren't home but here's falcon it's a quick fight because he Scott Lang needed something specific. He gets it and he's gone and we're back in with the rest of our plot. And, and yeah, I, I know that Darren Cross wasn't a perfect villain in this movie, but I still liked him a lot, especially when he became Yellow Jacket at the end. Like, I love the costume. Yeah, and I'm, I'm with you on the Ant-Man design. It's one of my favorite costume designs. It was designed, uh, the look of Ant-Man, it was designed by Andy Park, who's a visual development supervisor at Marvel Studios and... You know, he also designed, I mean, he's designed tons of stuff, obviously, at, at Marvel and uh, also did uh, Hela for Thor Ragnarok. But, yeah, that Ant-Man design, one of my favorite hero costumes uh, in the entire MCU. Actually, one of my favorite just superhero costumes, period, regardless of what label it's under. Um, I love all of that works for me. Um, but I also just love that the movie, it, it also has some great dramatic stuff going on, like this idea of, of Scott Lang having from the very first teaser of Scott Lang having to earn the look in his daughter's eye. And he's been, you know, the fact that she already sees him as a hero and he has to earn that. So he doesn't lose that look from her the way that Hank lost that from, uh, from hope and dealing with that relationship between Hank and, and hope. And I know a lot of people criticize the movie and, and it's fair to criticize it of why isn't hope the one wearing the suit. Um, I, I get that, but I don't, I, it doesn't bother me as much in the movie as it bothers some other people because the the movie very clearly explain is very clear about saying that she is more qualified to be in the suit, but there are other reasons why she's not, and that's simply because Hank doesn't want to lose a daughter the way that he lost his wife, and I think there's a lot of emotional validity to that, and I think you know, so that that makes sense for me, that checks out for me, um, uh, but I, I think there's really great emotional through lines through this with uh, with all of the characters. And at the same time, like it just it, we talk about like Avengers and like Guardians and other Marvel movies in terms of pace. And I think that's the most rewatchable Marvel movies are the ones that are paced the best. And this one is paced very, very well. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's and I love how the comedy doesn't step on the drama in the movie. Like it's all just put in very, very organically throughout um, that's why I remember walking out of this movie going, man, like I, I thought I would like it, but I, I walked out of the movie absolutely loving it. And the only thing I was worried about is, okay, is this going to be the time where I finally find out that I just love Marvel movies no matter what? And like, and nobody, <laughs> and nobody else liked this movie. Um, but then like walking out of the theater, everybody was like, no, I really like everybody was uh, all the other press and everybody there was like, no, oh, I really like that. That was really good. And, and then, uh, you know, obviously the reviews ended up being very, very good. And, uh, you know, Marvel 
Marvel pulled it off once again when people thought, uh, just when people thought that it was finally going to, that, that Marvel's uh, you know, streak of success was finally going to come to an end, uh, Ant-Man actually, I mean, I, I guess maybe hit it out of the park isn't the right, uh, <laughs> isn't the right word, but it kind of did. Or at least it's like a double <laughs> that, brought, I, well, that no, brought like three runners in. Yeah, I, I, I kind of liken it to the fact that people came in ready to trash it. Mm-hmm. And people came out going, I liked it. And I yeah. think that's kind of, to me. Yeah, people had like walked into the theater with their pitchforks and then just like. No, they did. And, yeah. 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 And I, 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 I rem- and I think that's a, a great testament to this movie because this movie did not have, again, I'll, 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 again, I'm going basically off fandom, not mainstream audience or anything like, anything, anything like that. But the fact is, I remember so many people wanting to like to, to drag on this movie, and it, it wasn't there afterwards. I mean, it was it's all for any time these movies come out. There's always a little bit of, of ragging or sure. or whatever. But it, I was, I was, I thought it'd be, it was gonna be just, just torched, and it wasn't. And in fact, people kept saying, actually, it's really entertaining. And like, I don't know, I just, it just, it was one of those things where I didn't have to, I didn't have a lot of baggage walking into this movie, you know. Besides the fact that like I expected it to be you know, somewhat entertaining. And that was very entertaining. It's probably again, pound for pound, the most, one of the most entertaining MCU films. still, even, even now I, I think it's up there. And is it one of the better ones? I don't know if I'd go that far, but it's definitely one of the most entertaining and one you can just, again, rewatch. And I think that the movie just kind of, it captured, it captured a, a moment where people go, man, Marvel really can do anything. They can do bizarre sci-fi. They can do a heist, you know, movie, you know, a comedy, you know, and it just was, it was a different feel. It, there's a formula definitely to these Marvel films, but one of the, one of the strengths of it though, too, is the fact that Ant-Man's way different than Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. Age of Ultron, you know, all those movies in phase two. Ant-Man's a very different film. He's a different, very different character. Yes, there's a formula that Marvel uses with with this, but at the same time, I really do think that the, the humor really does play better in this movie because it's a little more of a true comedy. It's a little more straight ahead. You know, it's a little it doesn't take itself as seriously as Iron Man or obviously the Incredible Hulk or things like that. So you know, I, I think that that really showed through the movie, and I think it helped sell the idea of Ant Man. The fact that there is someone named Ant Man, you know, like like I really do feel the humor really did it did a favor to the movie. You know, having all that you know basic humor or, or more above average humor in the movie that most Marvel films don't usually have as much, as far as like the selling the silliness extent. It was way more in this movie, and it really helped sell the idea. And, and again, almost kind of like and this is kind of stupid to bring, to kind of compare it to, but it's kind of like when Wolverine was in uh, the first X Men movie, and he, he talks about, you know, so this is Storm and Cyclops, and he goes Storm, and he goes, "Who they call you? Wheels?" And everyone laughs, and it makes fun of the idea of like this is all stupid and, and all really ridiculous. But with Ant Man. Everything is so silly in it a little bit, like, but it's not. It takes itself seriously enough to where you understand why Hank Pym is doing it and whatnot. It helps make it more believable, and I think that it lures you. It lures the mainstream audience into accepting the character, accepting the fact that yes, we're having ants be a part of this world or as like the the main hero. 
it's it's it was pretty genius actually. I I, th- I felt it was the right way to go, and maybe this is what you know Edgar Wright fought on. Maybe he wanted more, even more zaniness, and and Kevin Feige it was like, no, we need to kind of ground it a little bit because you know it is a silly concept, but we have to still make it be what it needs to be, which is a Marvel film and it has to have some serious tones. And and I don't know, I felt like the balance was great in this movie. So. I don't know. Like I just remember feeling like the, the general audience. I felt, you know, the reactions that I saw online that weren't necessarily super fans. They all seemed to enjoy it because it was just a very basic, you know, fun movie. Yeah, I know a lot of people. You could say with box office, I mean, they skipped it compared to other Marvel movies, but that doesn't make this one not a hit because it made five hundred nineteen million dollars worldwide, which it's which. It's true that that's actually the lowest grossing Marvel movie since Captain America the First Avenger in 2011. But at the same time, the movie only cost $130 million. I think it's actually Marvel's most inexpensive movie. So in terms of profitability, it did very, very well. And, you know, and I think what Marvel did uh, an excellent job of is like, let's just make sure that people will get invested in the story of Scott Lang, Hank Pym and Hope Van Dyne. And let's make sure people like these characters so that that way, maybe they'll show up in a bigger way for the next one. And especially after Scott Lang, you know, got to, and Paul Rudd got to have a really great spot in Captain America civil war that people really dug. So I think that's, what's the, you know, the good thing about this movie is that, Maybe not as many people gave it a chance in the theater, but the people who did really liked it. And I think the people who have would have you know given it a chance after maybe seeing Ant-Man and being impressed with him in Civil War, go back and watch this film and and really appreciate it and really enjoy it and start looking forward to uh, start looking forward to the next one. But I think it and it serves an important function I think for Marvel Studios and and I think it was uh, you know I think you can see that again in a movie like Spider-Man: Homecoming where you know, Marvel is showing that just because they've blown up the balloon so much with the Avengers movies doesn't mean they have to keep doing that. Like, they can go back to, they can go from a huge cosmic crossover story back to a small, simple story about just a few characters dealing with things that maybe aren't necessarily always the end of the world, but it's still, but the stakes are still big because it's things that mean a lot to them, to those characters. And, and if the audience likes them and empathizes with them, then the audience will get those, uh, the audience will understand the stakes of the movie just as much. And, and, you know, just as much as they would in terms of the whole end of the world stuff. In fact, I would say that audiences might even care more, you know, because the, the world's been threatened so many times in so many movies that audiences might care more about, you know, the actual emotional stakes as opposed to the life or death uh, aspect of it. And I think Ant-Man was a key uh, a key step for that. And I think that probably gave Marvel a lot of confidence um, with something like Spider-Man Homecoming to be like, we don't have to tell, just because we now have Spider-Man doesn't mean we have to tell the biggest possible Spider-Man story that we could tell. We can do something smaller and because they had done that with ant-man and it had worked really well and people liked it and i think that's also going to be key like movies like ant-man movies like spider-man homecoming i think are the key to marvel's continued success post avengers 4 because i think after infinity war and avengers 4 it's like they've gone so big you can't really go bigger and i think the you know the thing is the you know the huge key to that success is well you don't have to you can go back to smaller stories as long as they're told very very well the audience is going to enjoy them and they're going to invest in them and they'll be there and 
because you know, I think Ant-Man just totally earns everything that it gets. You know, every every ounce of empathy, every laugh, you know, every every little bit of energy that Ant-Man gets from the audience that watches it, I think it earns all of it by being, you know, by telling, by telling its story so well and, and also being so, you know, being so charming and funny and, and being funny in unexpected ways, you know, like everybody goes into that movie expecting to laugh at Paul Rudd, but you get good comedy out of Michael Douglas and you get great comedy, as I said, out of a uh, character out of Michael Pena and David Desmalchian and T.I. Like you get the comedy from characters that you weren't necessarily expecting as much from, but they ended up being huge parts of the movie. And so it's just different characters for audiences to, to latch onto and become their favorite. I know a lot of people like their favorite character is Luis in, in Ant-Man and they just die laughing at that character. I do. And I can't wait to see him again in, uh, in Ant-Man and the Wasp. So I think Ant-Man is, it's, you know, box office wise, it might be one of Marvel's smaller accomplishments, uh, no pun intended, uh, in recent years. But I still think it's one of Marvel's strongest achievements in the way that they were able to take uh, some really difficult circumstances and still turn a turn in a good movie. And and I also got to give a lot of credit to Peyton Reed. We talked about this uh, earlier in the show, but here's a guy who, as we both agreed, like had came into this in a terrible position like you're hired to direct a movie like six weeks before it needs to go start shooting uh good luck <laughs> and like and by the way this is a huge like 130 million dollar movie you know 130 million dollar marvel movie where the audience is also expecting to hate this because it wasn't the director that they had grown so attached to um, over the course of the development of this film uh good luck mr reed and he goes in, <laughs> and he goes and turns in this really great movie that people, you know, that people have enjoyed so much. That's why I'm I'm so excited for Ant Man and the Wasp is now this guy gets a chance to uh, now Peyton Reed gets a chance to go in and, and make the movie from the start as opposed to having to kind of come in and pick up, uh, you know, pick up where somebody else had left off. Yeah, it's this movie. I and mean, again, I, I it, Marvel. I think it's one of their better achievements. And I think I think something if you would ask. I don't know. I, it just seems like it's a movie that, again, it's a hard character to sell. Ant Man. It's not. You're not selling like a cool, like quote unquote character, like Moon Knight or you know Daredevil or you know whatever unknown. It's kind of more of an unknown superhero. This is Ant Man, and the fact that they went out with all the circumstances, they changed directors. You know, they rewrote. They were they wrapped this movie up really fast. I mean, look at all the circumstances, like holy crap, like this movie did pretty well. I mean, like considering everything going against it. And I don't think they expected this giant numbers of, you know, coming back. And I think they were pleasantly surprised of what, you know, came back. And the fact it got a sequel, you know, and you get, you have that. And not only that, but you had, you know, you get, like you said, Sean, you put Ant-Man into a civil war. Now everyone knows Ant-Man and wants and can't wait to see him in this next movie and what, how that, you know, works out. And, you know, who knows how many people went back and watched Ant-Man after civil war and were like, Oh yeah, it's that movie of the guy, you know, okay, cool. And they watch and go, that was really fun. Now I'm, I'm very curious what Ant-Man and the Wasp will do, you know, commercially. And I, I will be there. I cannot wait. Like it's, you know, again, it's weird. This is going to be in the right after infinity war. And I don't think it takes place before it takes place before infinity war. Correct. 
Well, we'll talk about that in our Patreon credits. Ah, gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, All right. But just, yeah, I mean, to kind of sum up with uh, Ant-Man before we get out of here, I mean, I... You know, I, I as I said before, I didn't totally doubt this movie because I still had a lot. I really after you know Guardians and everything else, man, I, just, I had a lot of trust in Marvel. So there was still that part of me that thought they were going to pull it off. I wasn't really as concerned whether or not I was going to like it, but I was worried about whether or not other people would like it, and I was also worried about whether or not it would even get a fair chance. Um, you know, in case people didn't love, uh, you know, people were mad about Edgar Wright. But the other thing I kind of knew though is I was like, well. Most of the people who are going to go watch this movie don't even know who Edgar Wright is. So (laughs) in terms of general audiences, I don't think they were going to really be that upset about the director change, but just didn't want critics to bash the film because of that. And then it would get a bunch of bad press and then, you know, moviegoers might uh, might skip it. But that didn't happen. I mean, people ultimately gave Ant-Man a fair chance and and Marvel answered with and and Peyton Reed answered with a very good film. And now I'm excited to see what they'll do. Uh, with the next one. So that's what we're going to be talking about in our Patreon credit scene because we got to talk about what connects this movie to Avengers Infinity War slash Avengers 4. And that really starts with the question a lot of people have been asking, where the hell is Ant-Man in the Avengers Infinity War marketing? So we're going to answer that question in the Patreon credit scene. We're going to also talk about some of the latest news regarding Ant-Man and the Wasp. And of course, the Patreon credit scene is the extra exclusive content that we do uh, just for our patrons on Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. So you can go sign up over there so you can hear that content if you're not uh, signed up already. And then make sure you keep up, keep up with us every day at marvelstudiosnews.com. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Marvel Studios News, and on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. Wherever you find us, please make sure you like, comment, share uh, the articles and, and the podcast and everything we produce. All that stuff really helps really makes a difference for us so we really appreciate that support and of course the support you gave us just by listening to the show and anything uh, any additional support you may give over on patreon paul where can they find you you can find me on twitter at herman 22 at two ends and you can find me on twitter and instagram at mr sean gerber sean spelled s-e-a-n so for paul i'm sean thanks for listening we'll see you next time 